I think before I get started, I'm just going to real quickly just ask the Lord for blessing. Father, we give you thanks for bringing us here this morning and for your care over us for the night, for the wonderful conference and for all you do for us and for your grace. And thank you for each one gathered here and for the desire to serve you in missions and and, in many different areas. And we just pray that you would bless each one richly and uh, that what is said would be uh, used by you to work in their lives. And we just ask a blessing and give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I thank you again for coming. My name is Jack Pike. I'm a uh, PA, as it says here on the thing. I've been a PA for uh, about 35 years. And I work in uh, cardiac surgery in uh, Connecticut. I'm from Connecticut. And um, I've been with Global Health Outreach for quite a few years and serve on their advisory council. So I don't, are, there any, are there any PAs here? Hi, good morning. And well, I'm the PA, one of the PA recruiters for uh, for GHO. So uh, if you have any questions, why, please feel free to contact me, and I'll, I'll give you a card. Um, I'm not here yesterday. Uh, Ron Brown from GHO actually had a, a pretty in-depth talk on sort of the nuts and bolts, if you will, of team leading and uh, all the little things that go into it. And while few things may get touched on, and I want to try to bring it down to a practical level. I'm really not here to talk so much about the nuts and bolts of team leading. That can be found in many writings. Really, this is designed to challenge you as you are perhaps considering the possibility of, of leading a team. Uh, and hopefully what I say will inspire you to say, I can do this. And obviously with the Lord's help, I can do this. Um, I want to spend talking about team composition and um, as the Lord brings it, brings those members together and then sort of move from the philosophical, if you will, down to the ground level and um, you know, and and, uh, and and talk about some things at the end. If one person left here today, and 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 what I had to say, you know, moved you into leadership, I'd, I'd feel very honored at that. Uh, I'm sure most of you know who D.L. Moody was. D.L. Moody was sitting on a park bench in Dublin, talking to a, a, a an evangelist, a well-known evangelist, same Henry Varley, and you may have heard this. But he said to D.L. Moody, he said, The world has yet to see what God will do with and for and through and in and by the man who is fully consecrated to him. And what he had to say altered the course of D.L. Moody's life. And it, and, it, and it really turned him around. And I think, um, I said to my wife last night, I said, I, th- I really feel like the Lord has orchestrated those who have uh, who have put together the schedule because as what I'm saying, I think there's been such wonderful messages in this conference uh, with Rick Dolan, Donlan and others who are talking about dying to self and, and, and dying so that we, we could serve him. And I think following up on that is, is I, I'm very privileged to be able to follow up on that. One of the things that was really amazing when I uh, first went on uh, a trip uh, to Zambia, I'm going back in uh, in June, and and I remember on a weekend in between, we were at this game camp that was sort of an R&R retreat for us on the weekend, 
And we were sitting out in the campfire one night, and I looked up, and I'd never seen so many stars in my life, you know, from from where I lived in Illinois and then Connecticut and whatever, and all the smog and whatever else. I had never seen so many stars in my life. And uh, I borrowed that from a guy in New Zealand that was on the Internet, and I and I wrote him, and he gave me permission. But I, I think it's just such a an awesome thing to think about just the God we're serving and, and but that that same God who's able to, you know, individually, you know, care about each of us and, and is also importantly able to bring us into uh, leadership when it comes to, you know, team leading. We all remember, um, how many here have ever been, been on a mission trip? People who have not been on a mission trip here yet? Um, I think I'm sure we all can remember um, uh, team leaders who have uh, uh, impacted us in, in their way. And two for me uh, have been Sam Melend. I don't know if anybody knows Sam. Uh, was the director of GHO up until June or July. And uh, Bill Bridgeforth are the two people that I have served with or served under. And uh, we all kind of remember... Uh, a lot of uh, funny things and, and maybe not so funny things sometimes, but one thing that through it all that, uh, that I remember that, uh, and, and, and certainly both have different, totally different leadership styles in, in many ways, but what I do remember, uh, at the end of the day is their compassion and their love and, uh, their humbleness and, uh, in, in doing their job as a leader. And uh, so, uh, something that just always impacted me and, and, and was a mentor for me as I moved forward to, to be a team leader myself. Um, I've been a team leader <coughs> to India. Um, I personally feel like the Lord has uh, led me more to India. I, I've been to Zambia and gone back to Zambia, but I, we are trying, just as a little uh, commercial, if you will, we're trying to move into the 1040 window even more uh, at GHO and uh, trying to open that door to India more. And we've been over there, and we're now looking for an, another national partner, but um, we really would like to, to do that. So if you have an interest in NDOI, we certainly are moving toward that. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in the emotion, if you will, and joy of doing a mission trip and all the quote-unquote pride we feel in and giving of ourselves and our time and our money and and going around the world serving, but at the at the end of the day, it's not about me, it's not about us, it's about him, it's about the kingdom, it's about what we do uh, to bring people into the kingdom. And yesterday I gave a talk on on what do we treat on the mission field uh, in the way of diseases and drugs and so on and so forth, but. Um, so much different for us, of course, is the fact that whatever we're doing, our, our end goal is to open the door to uh, bring uh, the gospel and bring Christ into their lives. Because so, you know that we, whatever we do in the mission field very often is, is a drop in the bucket and putting a Band-Aid on the problems. And um, But what we do is it's all about Him, it's all about Jesus, it's all about the kingdom. You know, during a devotional time a while back, 
um, I was reading Romans 12, and it's, it's, a, it's a scripture that I uh, often uh, like to read. And, and I was, I was uh, reading about it, and I thought, wow, this, this really kind of really applies a bit to, um, to mission work. And um, so verse 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, this is from New Living Translation, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of it, what he has, what he has done for you is this too much to ask. And, <clears throat> and of course, at the end of chapter 11 and so on, as he leads up, he's going, then of course, therefore, or because of. And, and so, when we, given our experiences on the mission field, given what you have experienced and, and mentors that you've had on the leadership, it's logical to ask, and I hope it's logical that you're asking in your mind, is he calling me to lead a team? Uh, and, and to be a, to give that offering to the Lord. Uh, it doesn't mean that we can or do or should do everything uh, because of what he's done for us, there's nothing. Ever, we can't do everything, but to do what he knows, he uh, he's calling you and I to do. Um, then um, went it to verse two, Romans twelve two. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Changing the way you think is what I'm pulling out of there. Then you will know what God wants you to do and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. I recently, uh, or maybe a few months ago, actually about the time that uh, I, was, I was reading this and thinking about putting this talk together for, for this conference and um, my, my, my uh, pastor, Rick uh, McKinnis, um, he had a he had a sermon and which was titled the 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 play the playground of our mind, and uh, and what he was uh, was talking about was the, what we allow in our mind that will determine the course of our life and what we think on what we spend our time on, and uh, you know you sh- I'm sure that you know we all have have things that uh, we, uh, you know, spend our time on that probably are not as profitable, me included, of course. And But certainly the way, the tenor of what we think about and what we allow into the mind it determines so much our, our what we do and our motives and actions. Um, and he, he's talking about, of course, Philippians 4, to all these things that are honorable and pure and lovely and so on, to think on these things. Keeping our heart fits on those promises that that He's given us, and it re, it's really not something that comes naturally uh, for most of us uh, to really, you know, have our mind focused on the things that are honorable and pure and lovely. And that it's isn't it such a easy thing to allow ourselves to get distracted? We can find uh, ten things to do. Uh, and st- for some reason, don't ask me why. Uh, I guess it's our it's our it's our flesh. But I can find ten things to do instead of picking up the Bible, sitting there, you know, in my study, and I'm like, and I should be <laughs> picking up the Bible, and I could find ten things to do to to do. It's what we think on. Um, uh, so in the seasons that we that God 
we know God's called us to something, uh, we need to stand on those promises and, and praise Him. Uh, one, one really only has to see what, you know, in this world, the behavior and customs of this world that are infiltrating the church, really, and, and the havoc that's being wrought in, in the church uh, because of that. So, how do, you, how do we see our lives? How do you see your life? Um, most of you, as I'm sure, know Rick Warren and have uh, looked at The Purpose Driven Life. I, I really find that a good book. In fact, I have it on my Kindle that uh, every once in a while I'll go back and, and, and look at it again. But he, he writes, the way you see your life will shape your life. And um, he writes that some people look at life as a, as a symphony or a, a roller coaster or a journey or a dance. And, uh, but how, how you view it, it really influences your experiences and your relationships and, and your goals and your priorities. And hopefully uh, each of us, our priority here uh, is uh, because you're here, because you're here at this conference, obviously there's a, there's a desire and a, and a longing within your heart to just move beyond whatever you might do at your church or whatever you might do you know, in your life to move beyond that to serve, serve the Lord uh, in, in the mission field. If you think of life as a party, you think of having fun. If you think of life as a race, uh, then you value speed. If you think of life as a marathon, you value endurance. Uh, so it's how, how do you how do you view your life? Rick writes that the Bible um, offers three uh, three metaphors. Uh, he says life's a test, and the Bible is just chock full of stories where pe- the God has tested um, people's characters and uh, and their faith. And I'd venture to say that nothing is insignificant. Um, in your life and my life that, that, but helps to develop your character and your growth as you move forward in your Christian life. Well, the second thing he says, life is a trust. It's the idea of stewardship to see that, uh, the well done, good and faithful servant, uh, can, you can hear those words when we, when we get home, get home to heaven. Uh, truthfully, I could tell you, yeah, that I haven't always been a very good steward of my body, and by God's grace, I'm helping to work and to change that because I just uh, have felt in the last couple of years that God has more for me. But I think He's waiting for me to take better charge of of my own temple, and uh, uh, with His grace and and the good help of my wife who's sitting back there uh, to. to uh, to take better care of that. But it is an idea of stewardship. So that the things that he's given us, you know, our money, our time, all theirs are his. They're not ours in reality to be good stewards of that. And uh, so life is a, a test. Life is a trust. And ultimately, life's a temporary assignment. Uh, eternity's always before us. Uh, this life is, is just a vapor. It's gone quickly. And uh, we're, we're pilgrims and strangers, and, and what is it? What you know? What we do for Christ is really what will last, and what we'll we'll be building up uh, in um, in eternity. One of the guys that are in in, uh, in Zambia, his name is Festus Mwela. 
he's a pastor in the Pentecostal Holiness Church there. <clears throat> I've never, I, he's one of the few people in the world that I've come in contact with in travels that is just so full of joy in his life and in his ministry. And um, one of the uh, pharmacists that I've served with over there who decided to go back and do some boots on the ground for a year, uh, one of the things about her is that she's losing her sight. And she's like 33 or something, and she's losing her sight. But she's over there, and she she writes a newsletter that she sends back by email. And recently... And she wrote that recently uh, uh, in a sermon that Festus was given. He said, you have to die empty. He said, your life has to be like dynamite exploding such that when all is said and done, you can say, welcome death, but you've come too late. I've already given my all. I've already exploded for Jesus. There's nothing left to give. I'm empty now, so welcome death, but you've come too late. And I thought, wow, what a what a really great thing uh, that that she shared in that sermon of just totally flat out given, you know, like 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 a Paul, really. I think I think a lot of us, at least myself, is sort of like Peter, where you have these spurts, you know, and then you kind of fall and you. But Paul was like flat out. He was like he burned himself out for the Lord, and um, Festus is like that. And he will he will just do anything and everything for you know for those that are there on a, on a trip for his congregation whatever he will do it. Well, then moving on a little bit in Romans uh, 12, I thought, wow, this is really a, a good description of of bringing together a, a diverse group of people in a team. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. Isn't that a mission mission team that gets put together? So so it is with Christ's body. We're all parts of His body, and each of us has a different work to do. And since we're all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and all of us needs each other. Um, we definitely all need each other. That's for sure. But what a what a perfect description, really, of a team that comes together, providers. Uh, docs, dentists, uh, nurses, PTs. I, I'm not sure what any of you do. Um, obviously, I don't know what all of you do uh, here, but it doesn't make any difference what your role is on that team. Somebody was coming by our booth yesterday. I'm with Fellowship of Christian PAs, and they were coming by, and his wife was a PA, and he was a chemist. And, you know, and, and I was like, what do I do, you know? And I said, I said the, some of the most important people on our team are the logistics people. We need people like that. We had one guy in my first trip to Zambia who was a has a doctorate in math, and he came along with his wife who's a pediatrician. He goes, "Well, I don't know what I'm going to do," and and over the next couple of years, he took charge of and ran the eyeglass clinic, and he loved it. You know, he did that because we. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done that on trips. We bring along these bunch of eyeglass, and boy, that's that's a hit. Uh, you know, the reading glasses for people. Well, he did that, and but it doesn't make any difference what your role is. We all need each other, and we're all part of the same team. We're all part of that same body, 
And um, so it's it's important to uh, to do that. And then um, it says God has given us each of us the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy and so on, speak it out. He's given each of us that ability, whether we're nurses, docs, PAs, PTs, logistics, whatever it is, um, uh, to be on a mission trip, to to, co- to to come alongside and to be that support no matter what it is. He's, he's given us that spiritual power necessary to carry, uh, to, to, to carry it out. And we... We can't, by our own efforts, I think you'd agree, we can't, by our own, own efforts, very often drum up that ability that we really need. Uh, kind of going back to my pastor, recently he had a, uh, uh, he was speaking about the uh, mark on the feeding of the, the 4,000. So this is the second time, fed the 5,000, and a little later on he feeds the 4,000. And he's preaching about that. It really was, it was, the idea was to encourage us to use to uh, have the Holy Spirit um, with use the Holy Spirit within us for fulfillment and blessing, especially when it's be, when it goes beyond our ability. But what he was saying was, they got on the boat, they're done. He's fed the four thousand. They get on the boat and they realize we didn't bring lunch or we didn't bring supper, and they're fretting about it. They were just with him when he fed the five thousand, and then they were just with just with him when he fed the four thousand, and they're fretting because they had one piece of bread. They forgot about that experience and about who was with them. And what he was saying, what he was encouraging us is, don't always go back to the beginning. <laughs> Remember, this is where we're at. This is. The back, back to the beginning when we got saved, we started our experiences, we're at this point. And, and when our need comes up, don't go back there. Remember where we've been. Remember how God has used us. And, and move ahead, move forward in that. And, and let the Holy Spirit uh, you know, use you and, and for, uh, uh, for, for what you're going to do. Gift of serving others, serving them well. If a teacher, do a good job of teaching. And this is my verse for you. Gift to encourage, do it if you have money to charge earnestly. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And I have no doubt that there are many people in this room who have that ability to be a leader. Um, you, you, you know yourself. Obviously, I don't, but I believe that God has given you that ability to take that. Lead. And it, I'm telling you, it's, it's a, it's, it's a little scary. It's scary to go on a mission trip. It's scary to be a team leader. But if God's given you that desire and that heart within you to do it, He's going to see you. He's going to see you through that, and and He will, and He'll, and and He said to take it seriously. The Amplified Bible says, He who gives aid, another way of putting this, He who gives aid and superintends with zeal and singleness of mind is how uh, that puts it. And then an encouragement, uh, just to don't pretend you love others. This is kind of a, uh, you know, just a, a follow-up of this. Really love them. Hate what's wrong. Be passionate. Stay on the side of good. Be passionate. Love each other with genuine affection 
and have delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy in your work and serve the Lord enthusiastically. And importantly, be glad for all God is planning for you and be patient in trouble and always be prayerful. That's so important because I will tell you that, um, and I know you've experienced this, the enemy is going to come against you. Uh, anything and everything is going to happen. Things are going to happen before the trip. Somebody's going to call up. They can't make it or this or that or supplies don't come or whatever. You can be sure that the enemy is going to come against us to diminish our our effectiveness and blunt our joy and, and divide the team. Uh, I was sharing with somebody um, uh, yesterday uh, that... Uh, the last time in India, Linda was with me, and we were just, we'd all been married for six months, and Linda went on a mission trip with me, and I don't know if she'll go again, but <laughs> but uh, it was a great experience. But I woke up one morning at two in the morning. I've never been under such attack. I, th- I really thought I was going to die. It was just the most intense attack I've ever had, and, um, and I prayed. I, I, prayed and I read and I paced and finally woke Linda up and we prayed together and after a few hours it, it left. And then the next morning when I shared at breakfast that with my co-leader, um, um, assistant team leader Nancy, another PA, the same thing happened to her at 2 in the morning. Same exact attack. Both of us were attacked at the same time at 2 in the morning. So you will you will come under... You will come under attack. Amplified Bible says, Be steadfast and patient in suffering and tribulation. Be constant in prayer. So, getting down to some team leadership here. Well, let's, you know, we've come this far, talked a little bit about some of the, you know, the scriptural things, and uh, let's talk about maybe some overall issues and, and principles about team leading. Um, and this is, I guess, where, where the rubber meets the road, if you will. So, being willing to take that responsibility, taking a leadership role. Um, I hope that you, uh, are, 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 are a number of you thinking about, how, how many have been team leaders, I should ask? Hey, that's great. That's wonderful. And others that are thinking of it? Praying about it, hopefully? Great. Well, it is scary. It's a scary responsibility to uh, to be leading a, a group of people to another country, uh, but also believing that when we do that, that we're under the power and protection and authority of the Holy Spirit and really depending on Him for uh, His guidance and protection. <coughs> so prayer. First and foremost, I put that in so many things, prayer, to, to just... Cover it in prayer. Recently, my wife was uh, at a, uh, a church uh, meeting, um, uh, a gathering where they were um, doing. It was about David, right? And uh, had Beth Moore. Well, she wasn't there, but the, a video of Beth Moore and and who was who's a Kay Arthur, Kay Arthur. And when she came home and she said, uh, she I was reading one of the things, and I thought, wow, this is really. This is really very profound, I thought, anyway. Beth Moore said, whatever God calls us to do is more than we can do on our own. God puts us in situations where we must depend on Him. 
He does things through us that we cannot do ourselves. I already thought that was really a very profound statement overall. That He calls us to do what He calls us to do is typically more than what we can do on our own. And boy, going into this, realizing that, that you know, it just—it's not—it's not about me. That's not something I can do on my own. And I remember when I, you know, first did this, and even though I'd been on other trips and been assistant team leader and and helped out and observed and mentored and so on, that boy, when you do this for the first time, it's like wow, you know. But one thing is for sure, and I believe this that you're not responsible for the results. You're responsible for being obedient to Him. If He calls you to be a team leader, if He calls you to do a, to do a mission trip, if He calls you to be uh, something in your, in your life, uh, whatever it is He may call you to do, and in this case we're talking about team leading, whatever He calls you to do, just be obedient and let the results leave the results for him. Now I'm not saying there are other things we I think you know what I'm saying. It's not that you can go, well, I guess I'm all set. I'll just uh, I'll just leave the team and you know the supplies will come together on their own and you know whatever. I don't mean that. But you know you know what I mean if you if you're obedient to him and doing that the results will leave those results and those responsibilities the results to him. When God called Abraham, um, what did he say? He said, leave your country, leave your relatives, go to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a blessing to others. Absolute promise. And, and we obviously we all know, you know, what Abraham did, but, uh, he was, he was willing to obey what, what God gave him to do. All right, so organizing the team and the materials to accomplish the mission. The first thing and second thing and third thing is flexibility. Things rarely go as planned. Right? They rarely go as planned. Pardon? <coughs> Blessed are the flexible. I like that. Bless that the flexible. They'll write that in. That's the tenth, eleventh commandment. I don't. Know. I don't want to add to the. Can't add to the scripture. That's a bad thing. You know, but uh, look for God's surprises and His blessings in those surprises. Um, obviously, you don't know this. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a huge uh, Bill Gaither fan. Gaither. I love Southern gospel music and Gaither. And I get this uh, magazine called Homecoming. And uh, several months ago, maybe last year, there was, a, there was an article in it, and Gloria Gaither, who's a very prolific writer and speaker, wrote about um, the interruptions in our lives and how important the interruptions in our lives are. We sometimes get really frustrated and upset, but that how often the things that have been the most blessing to her and her life were when she was interrupted. And I thought about that with the Lord. You know, uh, in the look at the things that happened in the Bible in the Lord's life. How many of them were interrupted? The wedding of Cana, he was interrupted. Uh, 
Um, the leper on the road, he's walking around the road, and he gets stopped and interrupted. Um, the man, he was preaching, and they wanted the they wanted him to see that man. So what they did, they opened the roof up and lowered the man. The Bible doesn't record at all what he was preaching about that night, but it records about the interruption. How important were in the Lord's life? The woman who who touched his garment, he was interrupted. The things that were so important were and so much blessing, and and in our your trip, there's going to be those interruptions. And I'm one that is has I really need to work at that personally to to you know go with that and. Um, I'm a little compulsive on things and I need to just go with that to just, you know, when those interruptions happen, just be flexible about it. It's something I've needed to learn. But on a, on a trip, it's going to happen. Those things, you know, those interruptions are going to take place without, without any question. Uh, delegate. Don't be afraid to delegate responsibility. You cannot do it all. But... Be appropriate and be responsible in that delegation. You can't do it all, and um, but you can and should make sure that you oversee it. Just because you delegate it doesn't mean you're not still responsible and oversee it. And actually, certainly on a team, you, you should try to have a, a medical director or a dental director or a spiritual director, uh, if at all possible, for those things. I don't try to run the pharmacy. It's not my job to run the pharmacy. You delegate it, but you delegate it to the responsible person. But then you also make sure you know that it oversees. So don't be afraid uh, to to do that. It, it has the added effect, of certainly, of allowing other team members to be a little bit more invested in that trip, in that team when they're when they're given things to do, as well. Servant leadership, um, just having a servant's heart. You know, going into this in in a in a very very humble way, what 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 makes a what makes a servant's heart? It's 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 not, uh, you know, being a leader. It's not frequently about temperament or about having strength. You can be still be strong. You can be dynamic. You can be outgoing. Doesn't mean that you know that being humble is being a wimp by no means. But to me, it's it's the type of motivation in in a leader. The motivation to see that each member of the team reach their potential in Christ for the good of the mission without using force or manipulation or having a prideful attitude. Having that servant's heart, I really think, is just, just so, so important. And so practice humility as the Lord modeled. Um, learn from the hosts and the team. So often it's so important and I think you've, I'm, I'm sure that you all have, have had that experience. And I'm sure we've all probably come away, at least I have, and I think, I, I think it's probably very easy to, and you all agree that very often I, I get, I get far more out of that trip from people I've been than I ever got or ever gave. What I, you know, what I've gotten back from people, I've, I've always been just so, <clears throat> over the years, just so blown away by, the immense dedication <laughs> uh, of the of the people that we serve with the host the host 
the people, the nationals in the country are just often are just so amazing. Their their dedication to uh, to their not just our team, but from to the people they are they're serving is just a, an amazing thing. One thing I had learned, I said that yesterday, that uh, and I when I first started going to India and whatever. I learned from them and from the people in Africa. Those they 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 pray at the drop of a hat. I mean, you know, anything come up, oh, let's pray. I mean, they I I learned that a lot. That they boy they pray at the drop of a hat and how important that is. So I learned a lot from them, and also learned from your team. <coughs> the Lord the Lord's leadership. Um, when he was was he was a leader, as I said, you're a leader. You're not a driver. It's really it's an it's an important distinction there to be an effective leader and to uh, have that trust and and confidence in your team. It's not always an authoritarian attitude. And if you think about the leadership of the Lord, that He focused on individuals, leadership focused on Scripture, and often that He quoted Scripture, and um, that He focused on individuals. And it's going to be, you know, a, a real responsibility of yours to identify when things aren't going right with a team member. You know, to to recognize, you know, everybody's going to go through their, you know, times of loneliness and and so on and so forth. But to recognize that there's a problem. Um, I remember uh, I didn't wasn't there, but uh, last year on a trip to Afghanistan, they had a uh, a physician who was along, and I mean, she she came unglued. I mean, it's, there was real serious, and a real serious breakdown, you know, mental breakdown, and um, it, it was it was a lot to work at getting her back out of the country and getting her home. So, and my second time in Zambia, one of our one of the the guy who is the the media guy said to me, came to me and said, I'm having I've been having chest pain. And he had already had a couple of years ago, a few years ago, he'd had a plasty done. And I gave him a nitro and cleared his pain up. And I went to, uh, I went to Sam, uh, and, um, and we decided, you know, he's got to go back. And it was a lot of work, you know. And I ended up bringing, um, bringing him back, uh, early on the plane. And he did fine. And he ended up at some point having, um, you know, plasties and then up having surgery. So those things happen. And uh, so, but as a leader, to be to be on the lookout and and taking time to interact with each team member at some point and getting to know them a little bit more, um, I think it's a great thing um, to uh, to understand, you know, all about your team. And um, what I got here, take. Taking the members from cell to working team, I think the next one. Understand? Well, let me back up a second. To you know, yeah, understand your own needs first, but understand the team members. One of the things that I think that I don't know, if maybe you already do, but uh, when when Bill Bridgeforth, uh, when I first went to Zambia, he did a really great thing, and I and I copied him on that. Is that before the trip, uh, he asked every team member to just send out a a nice little introduction about themselves to all the team members and just sent out a letter telling them about themselves, everything, and so we got to know each other. And, and it also helped the team leader get a little bit of a chance and taking time, if possible, to, to interact with those each team member beforehand to get to know them and get to maybe get some sense about where they're at spiritually and otherwise. But take the time 
to understand your own needs first and even to, you know, under, uh, writing a mission statement, writing your own, you know, personal mission statement and then understand the needs of the team member, the individual team member. And as I said, communicate them uh, with them and their potentiality. i got to keep moving here, uh, sharing personal information with them. Um, Abraham Maslow, um, who is really a humanist psychology guy, but uh, he wrote about uh, the needs of individuals. And there's a hierarchy that as you fulfill physiological needs and safety needs and so on, that these needs, the needs grow of individuals. And I think as team members, uh, kind of looking at some of the things, practical things, that when you, when you hit the ground, uh, this was his pyramid, if you will, that if, if, the, if, these, if these things were, were taken care of first, that you would, uh, would, would go a little bit farther. So, okay, so let's look at the physical needs. You as team leaders, what you need to do. Well, uh, travel risks, deep vein thrombosis, big problem, big problem to, to make sure that you remind everybody that, uh, that this is a, this is a, this is a big problem. Uh, a few years back, uh, there was a trip to, uh, I think it was Guyana for GHO and one of the physicians, uh, uh, developed the DVT and had a pulmonary embolus and died in country from a pulmonary embolus. So these things are real things that's something to remind of, overcome their physical needs. Talk to them about jet lag, overcoming fatigue. Uh, these are simple things, but the things to try to work at uh, meeting their physiological needs. You know, water, reinforce the drinking rules. Um, you all know this. It's not. This is not. I'm not reinventing the wheel here. Being careful on what to eat. I had a a, a, a couple. Of, I had a, a family along on the last trip, and and I quite frankly I wouldn't bring them again. Uh, it was a mother and two do- two kids, and I just there. It was just it was just too difficult to control them. Uh, they they were taking chances with eating food that they shouldn't, and I and I just and it was and they were. There was fraternization with the with the the people and you know whatever and I just said you know I, if their name would come up again, the answer is no. Um, but so it, you have to do what you have to do. Being careful what to eat, lack of privacy, insects, all these things to try to work at at at, at meeting those needs and then meeting their security needs. Being telling them about being careful their surroundings. You know where you're at. Travel in a group, never alone. And, um, and their passports, their money, electronics, and having insurance. Hopefully the groups you go with have insurance uh, to cover these emergencies that come up. Um, having uh, insurance to cover, we use something called a Red 24, GHL, so that if there's a, there's a hostage situation or if there's something where somebody's kidnapped, you've got something in place, you can assure them that there's something in place to handle these situations and certainly hotels and immunizations. So you're satisfying the team members' physiological needs, making sure that, you know, that, that they're being taken care of and that their mind is assured that, that, that that's being taken care of, their security needs are taken care of. You go on to, the, to helping meet their social needs, the culture shock, overcoming anxiety and loneliness. This was something, as I said, boy... To um, to really identify, you know, 
we've all experienced it somewhere at some point on that on, on, on the mission trip of, of of even though you're in the midst of a group feeling pretty lonely and, and a lot of anxiety of being away from home. And but because they're able to have these other needs met, and, I'm, and this is in a general way, of course. I mean, you know, as far as these meeting these needs, making friends and witnessing for Christ, uh, and then you can go on to uh, esteem needs, having confidence. That's where you, as a team leader, I think also um, are so important to interacting with your team to to affirm what they're doing, affirm that they're they're doing a um, you know a good job in what they're doing, um, that they're competent, that the that the patients they're seeing that you're just just doing that, and then having acceptance among peers, and you're moving up the ladder, if you will, of of meeting these Maslow's criteria as a team leader, and finally this gets very very sort of philosophical in a lot of things where uh, being self-aware and concerned with personal growth, problem-centered. People who are um, typically are in have reached this level, if you will, of, of so-called self-awareness. And, and my wife actually could probably give a better better uh, lecture on this particular. She's a, she's a licensed social worker and has her own Christian counseling practice. And she probably could give a talk more about this better than I could as far as this whole idea of self-awareness. But um, people who are at this level tend to be people who, um, when a problem comes up, they look for solutions. They don't look to uh, make it into a personal thing or make it into a a big problem. They literally look for solutions. And um, so um, I think that as 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 a team leader, uh, that that's that's part of your job to, you know, make sure that their physical needs, those physiological needs are taken care of, that their that their security concerns have been assured in their mind, that they know that you've taken care of, and from there they can move into being a more active, effective part of being that team and and being reaffirmed in what they're doing. Um, that uh, that just makes them, you know, a, a better physician, a better nurse, whatever they're doing, and and certainly, of course, that you're looking to, you know, um, take. Um, um, what I was trying to say, take take what they're doing and, and turn it into a witness for Christ. So I think I will. No, I will stop there. Um, and because uh, uh, I'm a little over my time, so just in case there's any comments or questions, I went a little long, which I tend to do. Anyway, so um, any comments or questions on what I've had to say? Excellent. I appreciate Yes, sir. Two comments, uh, totally unrelated. One is that I encourage people to take an aspirin before they go on the long plane. Definitely. I take uh, three. Well, I take the I take 325. Actually, I've been looking into. I haven't done this yet, but I actually I've looked into Lovenox. I've looked into giving myself a, a Lovenox shot before I forgo go. And uh, I could I could get it from the pharmacy and get it for myself, you know. But I've I've looked at looked at that as a possibility. But definitely at the very minimum, 325 aspirin. 
good good support stockings, and certainly you know because uh, some the long trips as some of you have you know long, uh, one trip to Zambia we're on the plane for 16 hours so it's just like you know got to get up and move around and so you don't get into trouble. Right. Yeah. It is such a big. It is such a big problem. Um, I I used to when I first come to Connecticut, I worked in plastic surgery for a few years, and one of the other surgeons I didn't work with, uh, he had a he he was slow as they go. I mean, he he just was just really slow in operating, and he did a lady did a facelift on a lady, and she was on the table for eight hours. And she got up and had a PE and died. You know, having a dying from having a facelift. But I mean, it shows you that these things can, you know, in a relatively short amount of time, people can develop. And she may have been other things going on in her too. But I mean, you know, but, but these things can happen, and that's probably one of the biggest, you know, risks uh, I think in the trip is is making sure that we avoid, you know, pulmonary embolus and, and DVTs. So. Well, I, I thank you so much for coming out so early in the morning and appreciate it, and thanks a lot.